<laughs> well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of The Faraway Nearby. We now officially have as many episodes as I have years, so I'm feeling totally like a tree right now. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a very special episode. We're calling this Waylaid in Twilight. But we'll get to that in just a moment here. <laughs> Announcing Princess Micah of Troll Faucets. <laughs> Hello, well, thank princess. you. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So, let us know, how was your week? Uh, so, Princess, uh, how have you been lately? What was going on in the last week or so? Um, this week has been pretty busy for me. Uh, I had to get a new car, oh. so that was exciting. Eek. Yeah. My, um, my car that I've had for, I've had it for probably about five years, um, it, there was something wrong with the motor, it, it had been making a noise for a while, and um, typical of me, I pretty much ran it into the ground. Uh-oh. So when I took it to the mechanic, there was really not much. Your fairy godmother is calling. Mm. See that. Okay. So you took it to the mechanic. Yep. So I took it to the mechanic, and um, there really wasn't much that he could do for it. I was left with the option of going carless or getting a new car. So I chose to get a new car. Luckily, I have a friend uh, that works at a local dealership. And he. I went to see him and he took me around. And we had a few hiccups because we looked at cars online at first. And I wanted an SUV. And there were a couple that you know piqued my interest. And one of them was sold, unfortunately, when we went to go look at it. Mm -hmm. Then I found another car that I liked, and that car had just come in. It needed a part that wasn't going to be in for a week. Oh. So at that point, I was a little like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, I, I can't seem to find anything that I like. And then and we looked one more time and came across the car that I have now. Mm -hmm. We uh, test drove it, and I liked it, so I got it. <laughs> now, I think that you told me that the um, loan payments on this car are actually just under what you were already paying? They're, they came out to be about $9 cheaper a month. Oh. So, you know, it's it's not bad. I mean, I wasn't paying, it wasn't too high for me before. So actually, I've now had three cars that I've um, taken out loans on. Each payment has gone down a little. Oh, so good thing. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. In incremental changes you know with that little so, bit of savings you could take yourself out to lunch at least one day anyway right there you go i can get some chipotle or something that would be great <laughs> now, i think i can get a bowl but no guac for that price so. right right <laughs> so i have to ask uh are, are you one of those oddballs like myself who names their cars I do. Um, this one has not spoke to me yet. Yeah. The last car, uh, her name was Beatrice. Oh. So Beatrice is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this car has not spoken to me yet. Hmm. So we'll see. I've, I've only had her for a couple of days. Well, maybe we need to write a letter to Mother Jem Leslie Hall and ask her to come up with a name. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so certainly the low point of your week was that you had to find a new car and maybe the high point was that you found a new car but other than yeah. the whole car experience was there something that happened in the last week that was the highlight for you <laughs> i can't talk about that on this show <laughs> oh, gentleman wow. caller oh yeah something like that okay we'll just yeah. have to uh we'll just have to write to your social secretary to get those details. Did you did you have your weekly timeout with friends this week? I went out with friends. Let's see. What did I do this week? It was mostly car stuff. I did um, house it for a friend mm -hmm. uh, um, that kind of lives in the country a little bit. And they have goats on their property. Oh. So I got to hang out with the goats a little bit. So that was fun. Oh, and Alrighty. I fed them and they were, they were very happy to be fed. <laughs> Well, that's not bad. 
Well, <laughs> nice. For those of you who listen to my other show, Surely You Jest, you'll know a little bit more about what's been going on with me lately. But I'll go ahead and give you some of the highlights here. So just very minorly, my husband's been having some health problems for months and we may have a better approach for things, uh, certainly because they've told him that some of his problems are going to be long term anyways. So he might as well start seeing a physical therapist or uh, learn how to do proper exercises to help with some of his issues. He had a little accident as a kid while skateboarding and he hurt his neck pretty good. And over the years, it's just taken its toll because he's always been one to be on the quest for the perfect pillow, never seeming to find it. And then when he did find it, it didn't last very long before he had to replace it. And, you know, it goes on from there. But last weekend, we went out for dinner and we went to a old standby restaurant. We went to this Chinese restaurant that I had taken him to the other year. And my husband is a little bit of a uh, aficionado when it comes to Chinese food. Because when he was a little boy, he grew up with a dad who did a lot of volunteer work. And this was in the, the early 80s. So, you know, the, the whole Vietnam situation was still fresh in history. And his dad did a fair amount of volunteer work with immigrant families. So he was used to spending time with people that had been born abroad and uh, experiencing different culture. And, of course, part of that being uh, Asian cuisine. So my husband is a little bit picky when it comes to finding a good Chinese restaurant. We thought we had. However, we went to this place and the uh, the quality had changed. And come to find out after looking over reviews of the place, it had changed ownership recently. And it should have come as no surprise to me to read this because uh, one of the items that I ordered off the menu included seafood. And the server had to ask me if it was okay that that item included canned lobster. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Oslo, our little hamlet here, isn't uh-huh. really a city by the bay. So it's not like we're expecting fresh. But when you tell me that it's canned, my expectations are lowered a little bit there. So... We managed to finish our meal and, you know, we paid our tab, but I don't think we'll be going back. (laughs) (laughs) I don't uh, think I blame you. (laughs) Yeah, but other than that, we've just been doing some watching of 90s TV and I was excited to see that a 90s sci-fi series called Earth Final Conflict is now on Amazon Prime and this was exciting Mm -hmm. to me because... I went to college in the late 90s, and there were a few TV shows that were on new at the time that I missed out of because of classes. And one of those was the middle run of Star Trek Voyager, but Earth Final Conflict was in its heyday then. And this is a show that Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry's widow, Majel, produced after his passing. She went through his uh, his writings and found scripts that had been not produced into pilot and she had these series made well uh lo and behold come to find out when i lived in southern california for all of six months at one point i attended a convention and she was in attendance there now she wasn't one of the uh the guests but she was there presenting her recent production earth final conflict and this was in the late 90s and thinking back on it now I remember seeing her from across the room setting up this table. And now I realize, of course, that was my opportunity to meet the first lady of Star Trek. (laughs) I had never gotten to go to a convention where she was the guest of honor. And looking back on things now, I'm a little bit sad because I had wished that I had the nerve to go up to her and say hello and just to say something nice to her because... She was quite a lady. She she had a strong presence. And the, the high point of my week was learning that uh, hubby has the means to get better. 
And, well, the low point was, we're not going back to that restaurant. So, Princess, we have a guest to introduce. Are you ready to sit down for a chat? I sure am. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the ever-fabulous Mr. Matt Burlingame. Hello! Well, hello, Matt. How are you doing, sir? I am doing fabulous on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. I am so glad to have you in our parlor here. You have yet to meet Her Highness. Well, I am so glad to be had. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, I have to ask you, how do you take your teeth, sir? Plain. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, no milk, no sugar, just, just tea. Okay, and uh, your your Majesty, uh, I, I've only recently become under your employ. How do you take your tea? I don't drink tea. <gasps> For shame! Wow! Don't, don't let the king find this out. All those years <laughs> you were pouring it out under the table. You I know st- this is going to be court gossip now. Exactly. Just well, what else is new? <laughs> For the record, mm. you're in Chateau Star Sage. We have a variety of teas, and I usually like to have a little lemon ginger tea before I do a podcast. So mm. now you know what they used to use ginger for. Uh, please do explain. Well, when they had an old nag who was a racer, and they needed to get her going, and I'm referring to horses, they used to take a bit of ginger, and they used to insert it up the jacksie, if you know what I mean. To get the horse going faster. Oh, my. (laughs) Just a little bit of, you know, trivia there. Um, Hmm, That's interesting. Of course, anybody who's been paying attention to Matt for any time will know that he spent a part of his youth on a farm with no what that was a was it a horse ranch or you just had horses there it was a ranch and we we did have uh, it was mostly horses but we had you know a little bit of everything pigs chicken rabbit all that stuff hmm. well we've gotten together today because we are going to discuss our mutual love of british sitcoms and there's one in particular that we chose. Matt, would you like to introduce today's topic? Uh, there, there's this wonderful British show that I stumbled across on YouTube a bit ago while I was researching um, shows that I hadn't seen done by Penelope Keith, who's one of my absolute favorite British actresses. She's done uh, To the Manor Born, and uh, good. it's called Good Neighbors Here. Over in Britain, it was released as um, uh, The Good Life. And uh, uh, executive stress, so she's she's just amazing. But one of her her uh, hits in the I believe it was nineties was Next of Kin, and it was it was quite controversial for its time. And and uh, as we talk more about it, you'll see why. So this was a series that lasted uh, three seasons, or as they say in the UK, a series. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Matt said, it starred Penelope Keith, who'd been previously on a series called To the Manor Born, which I have seen a few episodes of, and I'm sad that it's not on streaming. Um, I was recording it on my DVR until we cut the cable and then mm-hmm. discovered that that little magic box doesn't keep your shows after you stop paying. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so we're going to each take a round of questions here. And... We're going to discuss the British sitcom Next of Kin. So, Princess, if you will go ahead and start us off, pick one of your questions. Okay. Um, So, the first question that I have is for Matt. I was just curious, what attracted you you to the show in the first place? Obviously, it was uh, Penelope Keith. She is my absolute, absolute favorite uh, British British actress. In fact, when I was 16, how I got into Britcoms in the first place when I was 16 (laughs) years ago, um, I was watching reruns of um, To the Manor Born. And I didn't, you know, British comedy tends to, especially from the 70s and 80s eras, tend to have a very dry 
level, especially for shows like To the Manor Born. Um, so I didn't really get it. I thought it's a comedy. It should be funny, but I don't understand. And then all of a sudden she delivered a line. It was, uh, I believe it was um, uh, talking about how bees will sting you if you live an immoral life. And um, <laughs> the, the other actress got stung on her leg and she looked at her and she said, Marjorie, what have you and Richard been up to? And for some reason it just clicked. And I like, ever since then, I've watched everything, everything I can get my hands on uh, Britcom wise and anything by her. But the thing that was so great about this show is basically the premise, Penelope Keith and her husband are, I'm going to say around 60, 65, they're heading right into retirement. Um, they have no obligations. They basically want to sell their home and go live in France and travel and do all this stuff. And now they're finally free so that they can do it. They have no obligations. When they find out that their son uh, was um, was killed in a car accident along with his wife, and they have left behind their three children, and there are no other relatives except uh, a wayward aunt that can't be found. Um, and so they end up having to take in the children. And the basic... Uh, twist to the plot is that uh, neither of them like children. Uh, she never wanted to be a mother. She did not. She and her son not only did not get along, they didn't like each other. Uh, and she made no bones about it. So here you have a story that, you know, you're supposed to have the caring fam, the caring parents and all that. And, this, and the, the thing is, is that, she didn't want any of that. She's not a caring parent. She doesn't want the kids and, but she's stuck with them and now they have to figure it out. What attracted me to this show was of course, I have always enjoyed British comedy. Uh, even before I joined the podcasting universe, so to speak, I used to watch, are you being served on PBS? But of course I didn't really pay enough attention to know how long a show had been on and who the characters were, uh, were, I just caught it when it happened to be on. I really enjoyed next of kin and what attracted me to it was the fact that it was a story about grandparents. And in my own life, my grandparents had a special role because my dad's parents divorced before I was born. So I never really got to know that side of the family. In fact, my grandfather passed away when I was only six. So I knew my mother's side of the family more closely. And in some ways, the main characters, Maggie and Andrew, remind me a little bit in their own way of my own grandparents. So going on with this, I, I thought it was a really interesting idea and certainly possibly even modern because this series explores what is considered a non-traditional family. Forget about having a mother and father, okay? We've gone a step further, and now the grandparents are taking over, and that explores the you know the reality. And in, in this day and age, you have a lot of people making poor choices who are maybe reckless with their lives, and the responsibility of raising the family comes to the next in line, the, in this case, the next of kin, grandma and grandpa, which... Maggie does not like to be called grand, so don't call her that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you, Princess? I am normally not a fan of British comedy um, or humor because it is so dry. Um, although I have given some shows a chance, like Absolutely Fabulous. When I first heard the accents, I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to watch this. And then I watched it, and then I fell in love. But I think this show surprised me because I, I didn't think that I'd – I'd like it. I was like, oh, who are these people? You know, what's going on here? And um, I really enjoyed the banter, especially between Maggie and Georgia. I thought that uh, it was a really great dynamic. And it was very, I don't know, it seemed a little progressive to me more than what I was expecting. Because typically, you know, you have the grandparents and you think, oh, grandparents are supposed to be 
loving and caring and doting. And I had, you know, grandparents like that. Unfortunately, they passed when I was very young. But I also had a grandmother that was a little cold and standoffish. And so I guess I I saw more of that, even though I think Maggie was caring in her own way. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk about more of that. But I just kind of opened up to the idea more. And as I started watching it, I really actually did enjoy it. And I, I thought it was it was funny and I enjoyed the humor and it made me actually laugh out loud a couple of times. So um, basically the uh, Maggie and Georgia relationship kept your attention. Yes, that was one of the things. I, I enjoyed the show overall. I think that um, the grandparents, uh, I really liked kind of just the idea of them not wanting to be uh, parents, especially I felt I felt like Andrew, like he was a little bit more accepting of it than she was. But I just I like that. I like sassy characters, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I like characters that don't just go with the flow and follow the norm. And, you know, I liked her, I, the idea of them, you know, that they had of living in France and drinking wine and meeting their friends. I mean, who wouldn't, you know, well, maybe not everybody would like that lifestyle, but I know I wouldn't mind it. Um, <laughs> and then here are these kids, you know, and it's like, and then to find out that, you know, she didn't even really care for her own son it's kind of like well you know what makes a person because because you think that most of the time when people have children that child becomes the most important thing in their life and everything is about that child and everything is for that child and that's not always everyone's experience not everyone is a kid-friendly person so I think it's really interesting and it's it's almost taboo in a way because you know you even nowadays you know you say you don't like kids and people give you the evil eye like there's something Mm -hmm. wrong with you you know so for that to kind of be represented in a show where you know they they're not terrible people but it's definitely not their first choice was kind of interesting to me generally sitcoms or shows present a pivot character or characters uh, whom they expect us to identify with and journey through the show with. Like Roseanne, it was like, it was Roseanne. You were supposed to kind of identify more with Roseanne and follow her journey through the show. With uh, Happy Days, it was Opie. He was like that pivot character uh, that you always came back to. He was your norm. Uh, Who do you think the pivot character in this show was and why? Oh, that's an interesting question. So the the character that this keeps coming back to, it's it's hard to say in some ways because I think they they took turns going back and forth between the grandparents. But I think in many ways, the uh, the character they kept coming back to was Maggie, the grandmother. And the reason I say that is because you're left with the impression, or at least in the pilot episode, because they're they're over in France and they're enjoying their meal and they're talking about how they're going to retire there. But I, I was left with the impression that the husband was the one who had been working because as the show goes on, the wife has all of these things that she looked forward to going out with her friends and all these social club things. So she didn't really speak a lot about other obligations. So I think that she was the one who was at home all the time. So I, I think more of the perspective is from the grandmother, certainly as you move into the second season and they explore her relationship with her granddaughter, who, of course, is the only other woman in the house mm-hmm. in Princess. For me, it was uh, definitely seemed to uh, center around Maggie and not center around her, but she was kind of the main character to me anyway, that kind of just kept the show going along. I think that, you know, the whole idea that she's um, almost kind of like the socialite, you know, middle class type of socialite is what really kind of centered me around, you know, what was she doing and what was she saying? And she kind of seemed to run the show a little bit, in my opinions. I actually agree. I think that as we moved in a little bit more to the second season, that it kind of became um, a dual dynamic between her and Georgia, depending on which way you might have more leanings toward, uh, the more conservative or the more you know progressive with Georgia. But for the most part, it really was Maggie's struggle. But the thing that I thought was the most interesting about that is we are being invited to go along with Maggie's journey through this when there's a real potential 
that we are not going to be able to identify with her because even in that first episode, when she find when, you know, she's told about the death of her son and she goes through, you know, the whole going and taking care of everything. And when she finally does have a breakdown and cry about it, she's not mourning him. She's mourning that they were, they never had a relationship and she's upset because she was never able to truly love him. And she still didn't. So in that respect, that right there could have turned off a huge, huge amount of viewers and audiences. Mm. Yet it became a very popular show. But and we did go along with her journey. But it, it was interesting to have that character be our pivot character when it really was uh, something that would be not be a popular um, viewpoint within a lot of people. And then, of course, there's also all sorts of potential there if you explore certain Freudian, you know, uh, subcontexts there. Because, of course, maybe she's an, she's disappointed that she was never close with her child. And they could have had a storyline where maybe the reason she's disappointed is because she wasn't close with her own family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, continuing on with that theme, my question. So American society often paints the British as at times more reserved when it comes to emotional displays. Since Maggie and Andrew weren't close with their son or his family, do you feel that Next of Kin was a means to explore those themes? Absolutely. I mean, just like we were talking about that, just kind of the idea of uh, parents not like loving not being emotional about their children is very i think for american society is just very taboo even though there's certainly people that feel that way certainly people that grew up that way i know for me personally um i'm very close with my parents i always have been i'm an only child uh as well so i can't personally relate to like not having that i can't imagine having a parent that didn't want me and i think that that's that would be very difficult to grow up with kind of knowing that you're not wanted by the two people who are supposed to love you the most and want you the most. I just, I think that I don't know, you know, how things are in England and Britain, you know, maybe, I don't know if it was as, as taboo there as it would be maybe here, but I definitely think that it definitely, the show explores those themes. And then also with the grandchildren as well, not wanting, not necessarily wanting now I'm looking at them as a burden and inconvenience and letting them know that as well is also something that I think is, it's not something that we talk about, you know, it's kind of, I'm sure that there's people who experience that, but it's kind of the ugly side. And even though it's a, it's a comedy, you know, it kind of has this, I don't know, sad undertone to me. Well, yeah, my husband was commenting because we were watching, you know, the umpteenth episode and I was listening to the theme song as the credits were, were starting. And I'm just like, oh, this is such a, you know, kind of a crappy performance. It's, you know, like a uh, children singing in school. But he's uh-huh. like, are they supposed to be happy? Their parents died. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. When you sit back and, and really think about kind of the premise of the show, it's it's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that the more reserved, stiff upper lip, you know, check your emotions at the door basically is, I think that's a part of most British comedies, especially the uh, 70s through 90s. I think in the 2000s, um, that kind of changed a lot when um, shows like Coupling started and, you know, yeah, the the kind of (laughs) wet comedy, if you want to say the more body, you know, sexual uh, exploring your emotions type thing kind of kicked in. And uh, I think that a lot of British TV in the 2000s and later really um, have has opened up that way. So I think in the early stuff, it, it really was. But in the, in the narrative, I really don't think that that was so much implied here that uh, with the relationship between Maggie and her son, I mean, in the narrative, Maggie is very clear. She did not, she never had the mothering gene. She didn't want to be a mother and the two of them never got along. And, and that doesn't, and the thing is, is that doesn't make either of them bad people. You know, it's, it's acceptable and even encouraged for 
and we've t- and we were talking about this. In fact, I think Micah brought up this a little bit. Is that uh, it's acceptable for young people and adults in Western society to say that they dislike their parents? It's totally fine. It's actually encouraged. You know, talking about your parents like, oh, they don't get it. No, they don't know technology and blah, blah, blah. But it's a huge, huge taboo for parents to admit that they don't like their child. If you like this show, head on over to the VOG Network, the voice of geeks, where you'll find podcasts for your World of Warcraft fix, like the fabulous Girls Gone Wow, and a show about games old and new with Electric Sisterhood over at VOGNetwork.com. And, and, you know, and Maggie is speaking her truth. And I I think that she genuinely feels bad about it, but she raised him. He was never abused. He still had everything that he wanted, except, you know, the close relationship with the parents, you know, and he moved out and the parents moved on. Um, And now raising three children and a preteen children at 65 is, is tough. And let alone ones whose parents have given them an untraditional upbringing because those kids were allowed to kind of have whatever they wanted and feel whatever they wanted. And they didn't seem to have many boundaries or anything at all. And then they come here and, you know, so I don't, I don't think that that was a huge theme, but I think that when you're talking about British society as a whole, everything is going to have a little bit of that theme too. The next question is Micah's. Okay, so my question is, who's your favorite character? I would say definitely Maggie. Yeah, and, and why? <laughs> I I think of any of them, I identify more with her perspective, not necessarily in the not you know the not wanting kids or, or that type of thing, but through everything that goes on, dealing with the different aspects of the children and their little things, and how exasperated she gets, and how she's the one who still no matter what's going on, is the one who has it together, has to deal with everything, holds the family together. (laughs) And yet, and even though she's very vocal and outspoken and honest with the things that she says, whether she should be saying them or not, uh, of course, it's for humor's sake with the show. I think she's, I think, uh, yeah, I definitely think that um, I would, I would, uh, I would love to just sit and have... (laughs) some wine with her and chat so <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah and how about you dj i'm afraid i'm gonna have to fall in suit because I, I grew up with strong women in my household so of course i'm gonna <laughs> love that character who's uh, silently the head of the household or maybe not so silently we, you know we never really did learn if she was a stay-at-home wife or if, if she was in the workforce Maybe that's yeah. something they would have explored going on. But yeah, I, I really like the Maggie character, although she was a bit of an enigma to me because in some ways it seemed like they were playing with safe philosophies of the time. You know, she she just didn't what she wasn't ready to be a mother. She she wasn't close to her kids. OK, but, you know, help me to understand why. And, you know, that may be something they could have explored. But what about you, Micah? Who was your favorite? I would say my favorite is probably Maggie for all the reasons that you mentioned, but I'll be a little different in the, I'll say my, my second favorite character was probably Liz, the housekeeper slash babysitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just because I thought she was so cute and um, she, she was funny and nice and she was like, she seemed to care about the kids the most. Um, And then I also liked how she'd always, you know, quote something that she had heard on some talk radio (laughs) show from the day before some piece of advice talking about, um, you know, Zodiac signs. Cause I can be a bit like that myself. I used to watch Oprah like all the time and, you know, daytime, daytime uh, TV and different talk shows like Ricky Lake and th- things like that. So, you know, I remember like, oh, yeah, you know, last night on Oprah, I heard X, Y and Z. And um, I got a lot of good advice from Oprah. I actually just went to go see A Wrinkle in Time and I feel like I need a counseling session with Oprah and I might be all right. 
Um, <laughs> so, and I, I do pay attention to, you know, my horoscope and Zodiac signs. And as soon as I meet a new fella, you know, I'm, I'm looking up our Zodiac signs and seeing how they compare. And so I could, I could relate to her on, on those levels. Yeah. I, I know it's come up a couple times about, her occupation if she worked i don't think she worked i think she was one of those uh, noblesse oblige uh who got out there and she probably was a big community organizer volunteer took charge did all that stuff what did you think of the cake episode oh the birthday okay i started watching it this morning i didn't get to finish it though Oh, you missed such a good moment. Now, if anyone wants to go and watch this series and doesn't want to know, skip ahead three moments. So basically what happened in this episode was Maggie found out that George's birthday was the day before that day. So she throws together this impromptu party to celebrate her uh, to celebrate George's birthday. And then as they're having this party, which all the kids are like keeping silent about it, Georgia reveals that. It's not her birthday. Her birthday is a long time. Uh, yes, her birthday is not near, even near that time. Oh. Uh, and the thing is, is that the she then, because what she had done is she had written, Georgia had written in her diary that it was her birthday and that they missed it. And it was a test to see if Maggie was reading her diary. So it was all a setup. So as they're sitting at the table and George is confronting her saying, you invaded my privacy and you read my diary and you don't want us and all this other stuff. Maggie comes to her breaking point and says, well, I guess it's time for cake and picks up the cake and shoves it in George's face. <laughs> yes. Here is this girl who you can't you think can't be more different than the grandmother because they're not really close in the relationship at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then she goes to console the granddaughter, Georgia, later on. And she hears her crying in her room. And you think that it's because Maggie, the grandmother, was mean and shoved the cake in her granddaughter's face. No, <laughs> that's not why she's sad at all. <laughs> the thing that she's the, the most sad about is that she she realizes that she's exactly like Maggie. Maggie and her are exactly like she she basically says to her when Maggie apologizes to her and says, I shouldn't have done that. And she's like, no, I understand you didn't. I didn't give you any other choice. And I would have done the same thing. So, <laughs> so but that's the, the great thing. This to me, this was like the most pivotal episode in the entire series because it, it really was when Maggie and Georgia had finally pushed each other to that breaking point and they didn't hold back because you would never see something like that. Well, I don't want to say never because things are different now, but especially in the nineties, you would have never seen that on American te television. Mm -hmm. It would have been like this whole heartbreaking scene and she would have run upstairs and then Maggie would have felt bad and gone to her and they would have hugged it out in the end, which they kind of did a little bit on this, but, um, but after pushing each other to the breaking point and then they really come to a better understanding of one another and Unfortunately, in this, they realize that they're more alike than they want to admit because they're very different people. But now they see that they're both very much alike as well. Very headstrong. But yeah, I think it was one of the most important episodes of the, the entire series. And on a slight side note, they're also devious and crafty. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> I can only imagine that in later years when Georgia gets older, that uh, it's just going to come out more. I mean, I see things like, you know, somebody's car window getting broken, maybe, and money stolen from a purse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, well, my next question is, uh, do you think Maggie was cold to Vanya, who was the teacher and friend of the son's uh, wife, the 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 daughter-in-law, who they only called Bootface, apparently. Uh, mm. When when uh, Maggie and Georgia were in the health food store, they ran across this teacher, and she happened to be the uh, daughter's mother's best friend. Do you think that uh, Maggie was cold to her? 
Absolutely. And you know what? I would have been too, because she's an obnoxious character. And as much as I was like, I understand everything that George is saying and the way that she was, you know, she may be a little brat about it sometimes, but, you know, she loves the earth and make it okay. I can go. But no, 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 no. Vanya was way over the top. She annoyed the hell out of me. And I probably would have been just as obnoxious to her as Maggie was. I actually do. Uh, agree and i understand you know that that you think that uh she was cold but that it was deserved and here's where i think that it's cultural maybe it's timing as well because as we were saying this was the mid 90s that the show was being made and in some ways the show did things differently than others at the time Mm -hmm. um i i have to wonder though if this had been an american show if maggie would have treated that teacher differently because if you think about it the children lost their mother but she lost her best friend when i say the character is obnoxious and you know that i would have been rude to her too or not necessarily rude but you know maggie's way of being slightly rude it it, it wouldn't be because i think that she was a horrible person or anything like that it's just when she starts in with all her stuff and she but i think that she uh like maggie is the type of person because she didn't take anything from maggie and she didn't take anything from anywhere else and she did not seem to be that upset about losing her best friend and all that so i don't think but i think yes america american tv would have handled it very differently but i think that uh, that character in itself she was yeah no she was just too over the top with it which means that the the actor and the writing was great because that's the way it made you feel mm-hmm. yeah no she she actually i would say that I could have seen her being more of a character on the show if they had gone that way Mm -hmm. because of the interactions with her. (laughs) She was nuts. Right. Cause you know, as, as the daughter gets older, Georgia, Mm -hmm. uh, she, she might have, have gone against Maggie's will and had sided with Vanya. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Mom says no, but dad says yes. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, she's the one that got her into doing the the um, the tree protest and all the other stuff. But you know, and so this will be our thir- our final round. We'll start off uh, with Micah. What's your last question, Micah? Okay, my last question is: What was your favorite episode? Which I think we kind of talked about a little bit. Uh, de- yeah, for me, definitely the cake. The cake episode was the best. I would have to say that I really liked the cake episode, but to be different, I'm going to say that my favorite episode, and it may not be one that you saw because I think it was in the second season, possibly third. There is an episode where they decide to go on a little getaway and they decide to rent a boat. Mm-hmm. And they take this boat along the canals. They, they rent a boat and all of a sudden, the grandfather has become captain of the ship, and the kids all are part of the crew. So duties are supposed to rotate. However, uh, they get in a little tiff, Maggie and Andrew, because it's not playing fair. Maggie wants to take her turn at the wheel, and I'm not saying, uh, you know, metaphorically, she was actually supposed to be in charge of the river, and Andrew <laughs> kept refusing her turn. So, at one point, uh, they actually lock him in his room, and he wakes up to giggling, and everybody else is doing something, and he can't get out. So, that, mm-hmm. was, that was their way of getting even with him. So I think that's my favorite episode. What yeah, about That was a good episode. And what about you, Princess? My favorite episode from the first season was probably the um, adoption episode. Because uh, that's kind of like the first time that I, for me, it seemed like they were really getting somewhere as a family, even though there was still a lot going on uh, and things hadn't really been settled. But I thought that it was really great because I kind of thought... I thought it was a little odd for grandparents to have to adopt their grandkids, but I guess, you know, legally that's how it has to be. Um, And I know we had mentioned it earlier too about kind of the way, you know, society can be nowadays with people, you know, maybe making certain decisions and their parents having to kind of 
pay the consequences for those decisions. Um, and I've, I've heard of that happening as well. So um, I thought and nobody particularly seemed too excited about it, but I think that episode was my favorite. Okay. Do you think that Maggie really tried to make it work? I think that she did. I think at least from what I saw, it kind of, even though they inconvenienced her, I did still sense that she had, she cared for them, you know, in her own way, uh, which wasn't traditional and wasn't necessarily by the the same affection that like I would have been used to growing up. But I think, I think overall she did, she tried with what she knew how to do. Okay. So I really, I do think that Maggie tried to make it work. If you put yourself in her shoes, she'd already raised her child and she was getting ready to enjoy retirement. So she's having to give up all these things to essentially start over again. And while at times it seems like she wasn't making a wholehearted effort, you have to understand the history here. This is a woman who has been through it all and now she's having to do it again. So, of course, she's not going to have the same gusto as if this is, you know, her newborn child and she's, you know, getting ready to plan the life ahead. It's like, well, you know, now all of your friends who are going to be retiring are going to be telling you about their fabulous trips and vacations and you're going to be getting ready for graduation instead. So... And uh, I just want to take this moment to say hats off to those of you in this situation who can make it work, because uh, I had the privilege of knowing a lady when I lived in Denver who had the misfortune of losing her daughter in an untimely fashion, and she ended up having to adopt her grandchildren, and she was in the same situation. She was planning on her retirement years a few years ahead, and that all got tossed to the side and she had to start over and also i should say that my uh eldest sister ronnie is in a situation where she is having to assist in raising her grandchildren so you know a lot of that uh, typical um traditional family has been tossed on its ear mm-hmm. and not only does she does maggie have to do it uh you know once it's not just you know one it's three so it's not just you know i raised my one now i've got to do it with three and they're all adults and they all are a certain way but yeah i definitely think maggie tried to make it work she was um you know i mean she was buying special special bread for georgia she was letting her do the tree protest uh she she was uh letting the middle boy eat spam all the time and she was cooking separate meals for everyone basically uh, and you know, she was making, and she made a fool out of herself every time that younger boy had a, a misunderstanding with the teacher and Maggie got the wrong end of the stick several times. Those were some very funny, funny moments, especially the F word one. <laughs> and she gave that teacher a breakdown. Um, but yeah, Maggie really, you know, as much as she protested and, and had her issues and everything else, she made it work and she, she was still working to do things for them. And I think that as the series would have gone on, you know, you would have seen a lot more of that. Spoilers, everyone. The last episode ended with the oldest boy hiding a greeting card that he had purchased for his grandmother. And she's going through his things because he has a habit of not turning out his pockets when she does the laundry. So she finds little love notes and teacher's notes and things that say he's supposed to go to to detention Uh and he finds this card that he's bought and he was going to put it in the mail because it's a mother's day card and so how do you see the series having continued if there'd been a fourth season princess what are your thoughts on that okay now you're kind of at this point where everyone is kind of accepting of the situation. Sounds like they've turned over, you know, a new leaf. Having that kind of wrap up, I don't think that the show, I don't know where the show could have really gone to be what it was, you know, because I think that was kind of the whole point of the show was the contention and the, you know, the inconvenience of, you know, the kid, maybe like uh, almost a fuller house type of situation where, you know, here we are 20 years later and, you know, this is what's going on. Maybe something similar happened for, you know, the kids now 
that they're adults. So that was kind. Of, that's kind of my thoughts on it, though. Hey, Matt. Yeah, I I think that it, it did kind of run it, its course a bit. I think they could have pulled out one more season, um, and I think that probably we would have seen Maggie, even if it was subconsciously that she was doing it, but she would start to conform more towards George's way of thinking. I think she would have. There would have been moments where she'd be out and about and something would be going on. And the next thing you know, she would be uh, condemning all the people because of the whales. You you need to think of the whales. You know, she would have had those moments, I think where she would have been, you would have seen her evolve, not necessarily, um, you know, become some doting, loving grandmother type person. Cause I don't think she would ever have done that, but I think that she would have uh, really started to see the issues and stuff that George's character uh, kept moaning about all the time and bringing up. And I think that she probably would have gotten on board of that. So you would have seen some social change, especially as it was in the 90s. And that was uh, in the later 90s was especially when you started seeing a lot more of that coming to uh, the forefront of society and culture as a whole. Even so, you know, in Britain and America, so maybe Maggie would have started reading her food labels. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So for me, uh, uh, this tends to be a, a standby question for me because it seems like so many American TV shows don't know when to quit, mm. and uh, so it's like lightning in a bottle. These first couple and three you know, seasons were pretty darn good. So it's hard to say where they would have gone if they had renewed it for another season. Because I I tend to think also that with British television, it's sort of planned out almost like a mini series, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, they they plan for a progression of a storyline. This is going to happen here. By the halfway mark, we're going to do this. We're going to end on a high note. Just in case we don't get renewed, the story is sort of resolved. Right. I think that if it had gone on for a fourth season, and uh, maybe this would be if it was an American version, I'd like to think at some point Maggie and Andrew, the grandparents, would have made some new friends because I don't know about you, but it seemed like they only had a couple of other couples they were friends with. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe all their other friends had already retired and are living in France. (laughs) You know, I thought maybe the grandparents would meet another family that was in a similar way that they'd had some sort of misfortune that uh, they were having to raise their grandkids. And then they would have common ground because they would have friends who had experiences they could draw from. Okay. Yeah. I think her, I think her friends were probably, their friends were probably avoiding them because they had kids now. So, and they couldn't go to any parties. Remember the one episode where they, she ended up like crashing, like going to the other party alone. Yes. Basically where the neighbor was listing their house. Right. And it's like, because I think she wasn't able to, they're no longer able to do those social obligations that, that, you know, like go to the parties and go to the events and do things like that. So I think that uh, all the other friends, because I think, I think the type of friends in the society that they had are very fair weather friends. Mm -hmm. You know, they're fun to hang out with, but you don't really have, you don't really talk to them about serious issues or anything. And you don't want to hear their serious issues. You know, it's just very like we get together, we do our little thing, we go home. Uh, We forget about each other or we gossip about each other. So that's why even though their best friends on the show seem to be somewhat superficial and written in that, oh, I, you know, you well, you could help out by doing this. Oh, I don't do that. You know, (laughs) it's it's still those two are there. So they they still keep coming back and they still keep being there for them and helping them in certain ways. So, I mean, I think those, uh, regardless of how they were written, they were still very real friends for them. And I don't think that anyone else in their social circle ever was. I know you said that British sitcoms are not really your thing. But uh, you said that you liked the Maggie character in this. Yes. Okay. There is another show that I think you should watch. And Matt and I actually talked about this last year in an episode. And it's a show called Waiting for God. Mm. 
It's basically sort of the British Golden Girls in a way. Um, I won't give too much away about it, but the main character in that series is a really good character because you'd think that this is just some sweet old granny, but no, she's never had any kids of her own. Her closest living relative is a niece who thinks the world of her, even though in the beginning she thinks she's out to get her. And then you find out that this lady had this great life. She was a photojournalist and she was in the thick of things back in her youth. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hanging out of helicopters. I I think in some small ways they model her after Jane Fonda to a bit because Uh, she was a wild one. I mean, Jane uh Fonda was known for protesting Vietnam and, you know, doing all sorts of action things. But anyways, look up Waiting for God Princess. Yes. We have some listener feedback. Are you ready to voicemail? Yes, absolutely. You have new mail. Hello, my name is Shauna, and I just listened to the episode of Embracing Your Inner Child. And it was fun to take a trip down memory lane with DJ Starsage and Princess. I'm a little bit older than both of those, so it's a little bit, um, my my favorite video games were a little bit different. I wasn't a big video game person. I liked to play outside a lot when I was little. I was a 70s child, um, but we did um, have an Atari 2600 way back in the day when they had a Pac-Man game that was a very generic knockoff Pac-Man game that was a lot of fun. Um, but I, I loved playing outside as a child. I would play out until the streetlights came on and we played kickball and Foursquare and tetherball was always a favorite. But it was a lot of fun to to listen to their stories and and um, and and reminisce about days of long ago days. So I enjoyed the show and um, hope to hear some in the near future. All right, thanks. Bye. Well, thank you, Shauna. It was certainly appreciated. It's always nice to hear from our listeners. And if you would like to leave the Princess and I a message, you can call our listener line at 720-230-6919. So, uh, Matt, in the spirit of gaming, because the faraway nearby is a member of the Vogue Network, the Voice of Geeks, um, could you tell us what are you playing lately and what's your favorite game? Maybe your favorite game from childhood Mm, let's see when it comes to gaming uh <laughs> i still remember i actually my father actually brought home uh, one of the atari very first ataris uh we played pong for about a day and then he broke it <laughs> um <laughs> um i was definitely uh, in speaking of olden days i was definitely uh, a nintendo classic like anything that was um the Zeldas, the Marios, anything like that. I was totally into the Kirby's. I could do them all, and I was. And in fact, um, my friend Ouija just brought bought me uh, the the little uh, Nintendo Classic Mini thing, where it's all they've got the games in it digitally. Um, and so I'm trying to get through Zelda again, but I don't remember half of it. Um, but. These days, uh, wow, World of Warcraft, it's been my game for the last like eight, nine years. I came in at the end of uh, Lich King and it has been, um, it has changed, it has brought me some of my best friends uh, into my life. Um, Everything about it, we've got a new expansion coming out. I'm always excited. I'm not a hardcore raider. But I, I do raid on normal and heroic. Um, so yeah, that's my main one. I do I have played all the rifts and the the you know all the new stuff that comes up. The Elder Scrolls, I give all those a try. But I always come back to WoW. WoW is my main game, and actually WoW is where I met Rob Rob Roberts of Vogue Network. Oh yes, and uh, so of course our listeners will be intent to know that uh, that. Rob is the host of Orange Lounge Radio, which you can hear Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, which is 6 p.m. Pacific. Yes, uh, we were in the same guild for a while, and um, he we've done articles and stuff on him. He's he's a local boy here in Sacramento, and he is awesome. I absolutely love Vogue Network. Well, I want to thank you for 
joining us, Matt. We had a fun time talking to you about British sitcoms. And uh, for those of you unawares, could you please let the fine folks out there in listener land where, know where we can find you? Uh, you can find my projects right now. My podcast is uh, Chubb's Gone Wild with my co-host, Tom. And you can find that over at chubbsgunwild.com. Uh, we are a, oh, what do you call it? Basically a modern uh, comedy discussion, uh, segmented fun podcast variety show type thing. And then um, also my books. I am an author and I have many fun books out there. And you can find more information about that, including right now, one of my books, Boof, is free for the time being. You can go and check that out over at uh, justkisstheguy.com. Woohoo! All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Matt. And thank you for listening to The Far Away Nearby. This program can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. You can email us at tfnpodcast at gmail.com tweet us on twitter at tfndj find our fan page on facebook and our companion blog on tumblr or text or leave a message at 720-230-6919 unified unique voices unified unique voices a network of inclusion. Unifospods.net